today that we started last week called How Can I Help? By talking about where can we go from here? Listen, the word choice there is very specific. I did not say where do we go from here. As if the decision has already been made and we're just walking out the, the process as, you know, just some random token vote. There's no decision already made. It is where can we go from here? What are the possibilities? What do I have in my heart? What do I see for Crosspoint for this family? I'm not going to share a ton of very specific details because those things come in time. But what I am want to share with you today is broad strokes of what I see and what's in my heart. So where can we go from here? I think it's important for you to realize, and I mentioned this last week, that you, family, are not here to serve my grand vision of what we can do and where, will we, where we will go. But rather, we are here for you. We are here to help you step into your destiny, to see your dreams realized, to help you grow and mature as a follower of Jesus. Last week I talked about I serve was one of the points that I made. I serve. This is leadership. Leadership is serving. So how can I help you realize your destiny in Jesus? How can I help you realize your purpose? How can I help Crosspoint step into her prophetic destiny in our city, in our region, and around the world? I believe it begins with an understanding that each one of us has a destiny and a calling. And when those are realized as individual family members, we will, as a church family, be fulfilling our destiny. We won't do everything. We won't take every opportunity that comes our way. But we will do the things that the Father has called us to. So what are some of those things? Crosspoint is and will be a house of worship. There is something on this family to release the sounds of heaven into the earth. There are songs, there are melodies, there are harmonies that God has and is depositing into this family that when released will sweep people into the presence of God. They will bring freedom to people. They will bring healing spiritually, emotionally, and physically without anybody laying hands on. It's just being swept into the very presence of God. This is a family that will raise up worshipers because we are a house of worship. Crosspoint is and will be a family that prioritizes the presence of God. See, without his presence, all we do is just go through the motions. We come up with good things to do. We come up with some nice outreaches. We, we preach nice messages. We sing nice songs. We just do some nice things, some good things. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's more. That's the cry of our hearts. And it came through this morning just in worship. There is more. There's more than what we have already experienced in this house. There's more than what we experienced this morning. There's more than what any one of us have individually ever experienced. Because God is endless. And we want the more of God. I am not satisfied. 
with the level of revelation that I have about my Jesus. I'm not satisfied with the encounters and the experiences that I have had. I'm not satisfied with what I've seen in this house. There is more. There is more. It is his presence that marks us. See, when he moves, then we move. When he stops, then we stop. When he speaks, we listen. And then we declare what he said. I have always had the cry of revival in my spirit. It, it feels like since the moment of salvation, I had this longing, this desire for the presence of God and for revival. No one had ever talked to me about that word revival. It just always seemed to be in here. And I have pursued and I have prioritized the presence of God in my life. There was a season of ministry about 10 years ago where I slipped into this just kind of going through the motions. I was living, I was enjoying life, I was doing good ministry things. And it was in this season that I led the, uh, my very first missions trip to the Czech Republic. And I took, a, a, I think there was maybe eight or nine of us. And one of the things that we did when we went there is we were the altar team for a conference. The main speaker at the conference was a friend of mine from Canada. And so when he spoke, he spoke English. And they had a translator up alongside of him who translated into, into Czech. And then we ministered at the, at the altar. It was powerful. On the last session, the last night, there was a man who came from South America. And he spoke Czech. And so all of the English-speaking people in the room, we got headsets and there was a translator who sat in the back with, with a microphone, and she translated into English for us. And there wasn't enough headsets to go around, so I just positioned myself beside the translator so I could hear what was being said. Listening to the message, there was a point in the message near the end where the language changed. And I'm listening, and I leaned over to the translator, and I whispered, is he speaking in tongues? And I was, it was so quiet that nobody around could hear, but the microphone was extremely sensitive because she translated in a whisper. And then up in the balcony and all around, there was these chuckles in the room because all the English speakers heard what I, was, what I had asked. And so I sat, and I'm listening, and then he, he stopped. He exited the stage, and I was sitting over like in that back corner of the room. He exited the stage and he walked across the front and he, he walked directly to the back. And I, I thought to myself, oh, it looks like he's coming this way. And he was coming this way. As he stopped at no one, he talked to no one, he looked at no one except for me. He walked directly to me and he laid hands on me and he began to pray. And I went down to the floor in a crumple. I had no idea what he was saying. But I, in that moment, as he is praying over me, whether in tongues or in Czech or in Spanish. I had no idea. But the Holy Spirit asked me this question. Do you still believe in revival? And from the inside, somewhere deep inside of me, I just began to cry out. Crying out in my spirit and with my words, I said, yes, I still believe. And the hunger for his presence was reawakened in me that day. And I, I determined and I purposed to never let it grow cold again. The cry of my heart is his presence. I just want to know him. 
Shelby and Stephanie were on that trip. And I'm sure they'll remember because as I was on the floor and in just absolute puddle mess, I could still hear people laughing. This is a family of his presence because we, me, Renee, you, we are people of his presence. So I've got thoughts and ideas for cross points. But you need to know the actions, the things that we do, and the strategies are going to come from one place and one place only. On our face before Jesus, crying out for him and asking him, what is it that we should do? Because I don't want to start doing something and then ask God to come along and bless it. I want to know what he's doing and join in with what he's already doing because he's already blessing that. I want to talk about discipleship and leadership development. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is what we call the Great Commission. Matthew writes, he says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had, has, had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I believe in helping people identify and step into their destiny. And I believe that this is a vital part of church life. And in order for us to do this, we have to actively disciple people. Jesus' instructions to the, the original 11 disciples was to make disciples that would do all the things that Jesus had already taught them to do. Jesus discipled them. And they were told to go and make disciples, and those disciples were to follow the teachings of Jesus, which would lead them to also make, the, make disciples. Listen, the goal is not to get a bunch of people to come to our church. That's not the goal. Right? Listen, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. Do you know what the main action word in the Greek is in that sentence? Most people think it's Go. Because that's what we would, we would think as English speakers. It's not. It's make disciples. I believe we're going to have a lot of people come to this church. But the goal isn't just to get people to come to our church. The goal is to make disciple making disciples. And in this process, we will naturally experience church growth because disciple-making disciples see people come to know Jesus. It's not all about what happens on Sunday morning in this room. It's what happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't matter how high you jump or, or, or how much you shake or how hard you fall to the floor on Sunday if you can't walk a straight line on Monday. We are about making disciples that make disciples that follow Jesus. Laid down lovers of Jesus. The Great Commission isn't just about discipling people. It includes that, but it also includes discipling nations, which truthfully, we have no clue on how to do. 
But that's part of what Jesus said. Disciple the nations. So our focus is not going to exclusively be on individuals. It's also going to be our region, to our region and to the nations. Because this is what I see. I see Crosspoint as having an impact in our city, an influence in the region, and an investment in the nations. As we raise up disciple-making disciples, and the investment in the nations is not just sending money, but it's sending people. This is connecting people with their purpose. It's launching them out of the family. People from this family have, and they will continue to touch the nations with the kingdom of God. Some of you in this room, you've traveled with us. I think it was probably three summers ago, we traveled to Mexico and we built a house for a family. We partnered with one of our, with one of our missionaries. We built a house for a family, husband, wife, and three daughters. And one of the daughters had leukemia. And the family didn't have money for both a house and medical treatment. So they chose medical treatment. And we had the opportunity to go down there and build them a house so that they could have both. Because they were sleeping on the floor of a relative. That family's life was changed forever. My life was changed forever. And we did outreaches and we saw healings and miracles. Others of you have traveled with, 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 with us to Europe where we went into schools and we connected with students, partnered with a local church. And because we were there, that church that did not have a youth ministry now has a youth ministry. We were able to birth a youth ministry in that church that had a desire and a longing for the young people of its city. We have seen God do incredible things as we've traveled to different nations of the world. We want to take more of you with us. We want to send you to the nations because Crosspoint has an investment to deposit. I would love to take each and every one of you on a trip out of country to love on people that are not like you, that don't speak your language, to put you in positions where you are completely uncomfortable and you have to completely and totally rely on the Holy Spirit because incredible things happen when Holy Spirit is your only option. Easter Sunday, Craig Muster stood on this stage and he made this statement. He said, disciples are formed in small groups. Raising up people. Raising up disciples and leaders. Listen, it does not happen on Sunday morning. It happens when we get into smaller groups. Because I know that you don't know everyone in this room. And I know that there is stuff that we have to do on Sunday mornings. We do, we do things. We worship, we preach, we, we lay hands on, we, we do all of those things. And there's just not time to really connect with people on a Sunday morning. And if someone tells you the opposite, they're pulling the wool over your eyes because it's not true. But you get to know somebody. You disciple people. You are discipled when you get into a small group and you start doing life with people and you start living in accountability with people and you are in mutual submission to one another. We currently have two micro-communities and I see us making some adjustments to those, expanding and adding new focus so that we can help people step into their destinies. This is inclusive of discipleship. 
Discipleship happens when we get into smaller groups. Relationships are built. Connections are made. Attenders become family members in small groups, and we have to do better in this area. We have to create better opportunities where we connect, where we get to know one another. And not just, hey, how are you on Sunday morning? When we start discipling people, we are investing in them. And we are raising them up as leaders. Leaders in the Crosspoint family, leaders in their homes, leaders in their workplace, leaders in their community, in their neighborhoods. See, it's teaching people to have a personal responsibility with their life with Jesus. Teaching people to have a personal responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere in their homes, in their neighborhoods, and in their workplaces. This is discipling people. It's helping them discover their identity and their purpose, and then helping them to step into that. See, when we see people living out their purpose, we are going to see the influence and the impact of Crosspoint increase. And it's going to increase beyond Sunday attendance and big church gatherings. The increase is going to be seen in the marketplace. Because most people's purpose, truthfully, as a pastor, is not found inside church ministry. If we only focus on people who are called to full-time church ministry, we're only focusing on maybe at best 20% of the people. In increase is going to be seen in the marketplace because ministry is going to be marketplace focused by you. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ, and this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So this is what we call and has been called the fivefold ministry gifts. Typically, we talk about things and we immediately turn them into church leadership focused. These are, you know, church gifts. But when we limit these gifts to inside the church, we limit the reach and the influence of those that have those gifts but are not called to full-time church ministry. And we force them to try and take their calling, their purpose, their destiny, and squeeze it into a little box that we've created. We have to stop doing that. Because God is sending them into culture, into the workplace, into the marketplace, to influence all of society. Listen, you notice that Paul didn't write that these gifts are for the church, but he said these gifts are to the church. These gifts are not exclusive to leading the church. They are inclusive of it, but they are also inclusive of the church in society. And to be clear, when I say church, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about you. You and I are the church. These gifts are given to you and I. This is the people of God. It's not the organization. It's not the 501c3 and it's not the building that we sit in. You are already in the marketplace. And according to this passage, it is our job to equip and to train you to do God's work 
so that you can build up the church. Because we need to see apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, not just inside the church building, but in the marketplace. And we need to see them fulfilling their purpose and their destiny in the marketplace. And we have to do better at equipping people to do ministry where they are called. Business owners, educators, public and civil servants, politicians, fathers, mothers, friends, family members, students, the creative people. You are all already in place in a sphere of influence and we need to equip and to activate you to advance the kingdom of God. Because God has got a calling on your life to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils and to see people one to Jesus. That wasn't just spoken to the one who has the mic on a Sunday morning. That was spoken to his church. We the people are the church. That is your calling to walk in a supernatural lifestyle every single day of the week and not just rely on an altar time on a Sunday morning. And that's not to discredit what's, what happens here, but that's to add to what happens here. Because when we see revival in the marketplace, can you imagine what it's going to look like on a Sunday morning? It's going to be pandemonium in here. Do you really want all that God has, regardless of what it looks like? Listen, Crosspoint has a word over it, to be an Antioch center. This means that we are an equipping, sending center. Eventually, everybody gets sent out. Wow. Where will all the people be if we send them all out? We'll get there. See, we need to begin to celebrate and count those that we send out. Typically, if you ask any pastor anywhere about how's your church doing, they're going to tell you how many people attended on a Sunday morning. They're going to tell you how many people got saved that year or that Sunday or that, or that, you know, that month, right? They're counting babies born in the church. We need to start counting adults that we send out to do ministry and not just babies that are born. Because that's what happens when you start making disciple, making disciples. You are sending people out. You're raising them up into maturity. We do not want a house full of babies. It's time for us all to grow up into the calling that God has for us. There is a standard of Christ. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we can all honestly say we have not reached it yet. We're growing. We're not going to stop. Part of the mandate that God has placed on my life, Renee's life, is raising people up and releasing them into their purpose. And I know I've talked about this a lot, but I want to show you a picture. Yeah. The picture was taken. I didn't ask for permission. Sorry, Stephanie and Shelby is in the, she's in the preschool room, so she's not seeing it. Sorry, Juan. Baby-faced Juan. <laughs> this picture was taken maybe nine, ten years ago. This was a, uh, a trip that we had taken with some of our youth leaders when we were youth pastors. In the blue shirt on your right-hand side and the blonde hair, that's Christina. That's, it wasn't at the time, but her last name is now Moore. She got married, and last Sunday, she was voted as the lead pastor of Lake Marino Community Church. Come on. God allowed us the opportunity to see something in her because when she showed up, you can see she's very white and she has very blonde hair, but she spoke very hood. 
And she got to know who she was in Christ and step into that. We sent her and her husband off as missionaries to Rosarito, Mexico to work in an orphanage. And then they came back and became the children's pastors in Lake Marino in the back country. And she loves it so much that when her pastor resigned and moved away, that she applied for the position. Well, and you know Shelby and Juan. I've known Shelby and Juan for a very long time. This is family to me. When I met Juan and Shelby, Shelby was the property manager at, a, at an apartment complex in El Cajon, and Juan worked on the maintenance staff for that company. We saw something in them, and we still see something in them. And so we began to meet with them and work with them and invest with them. And they will tell you, we asked them to do things that were uncomfortable. And there are times that we asked them to do things that they, you probably truthfully did not want to do. But it's because we saw something in them and we believed in them and we gave them platform and opportunity. And I'm very happy and very proud of them to say that they are on staff here at this church. Beside Juan, you see the little head poking out. That's James, and that's his wife, Heather. We met James and Heather, and their life was an absolute shambles. Marriage holding on by a thread. And we started to work with them and believe in them. And they saw their family put back together. And they saw themselves get, get up on their feet financially. And when they saw James began to take um, weekend classes at the Southern California School of Ministry. And he is now ordained. And he is a youth pastor in Alpine. Both in ministry. And then we all know, we all know Stephanie. When I first met Stephanie, Stephanie had just graduated high school. And she was a leader in youth ministry. I wasn't the youth pastor at the time, but after a few years, Renee and I took over the youth ministry at that church. And she was one of our main youth leaders. And we have watched Stephanie grow, and we saw the pastoral call of ministry on her as she loved on students. And we gave her opportunity, and we pushed her to the forefront. And again, I am very proud to say that she is the pastor of our students in this church. I had like eight different stories to tell you of people that we've invested in. And then literally this popped up on my Facebook memories this week. And I'm like, all the stories go out the window. A picture is worth a thousand words. That's just a snapshot in time of people that we saw and we believed in. Why do we do this? Because someone believed in me when I didn't deserve to be believed in. Someone took me on the road and gave me opportunity to preach and to minister Looking back, there are times, and I know I've told them, and like my friend, I call him out, I say, dude, you should have never given me the opportunity to speak. He's like, I know, but I believed in you. And we failed together, and I stand here, and he stands here with me, even though he's not here. Someone believed in me and gave me opportunity and saw gifts in me, and so that's what I do. I see gifts in you, and I want to pull them out. I want to create opportunity. I want to create platforms for you so that you can launch out and step into what God has placed inside of your heart. We want to send you out. I'm going to end with, I'm going to end with this because I talked about every, eventually everybody gets sent and so this will help make sense. If you can go to the, the quadrant, it's a little graph that I have there. This is what I call the, the sending quadrants. 
There are four ways or four quadrants that people are sent out from an Antioch center. The first one in the upper left-hand side is where you're committed to the church, but you are sent to ever-increasing levels of fruitfulness in ministry in the church. You feel like this is where your calling is, and so we send you and we push you to, to greater levels of, of fruitfulness. The second one is serving in the church. This is pouring into them, and then for a season, we pour into them, and then we release them, and we push them out. It doesn't necessarily mean out of the building, but it's because we have their destiny in mind. Like I said, it's not just about me and my dreams realized, but it's about you and your dreams realized. So you need to know your destiny and your purpose is on my mind. And then in the bottom left, you've got marketplace. These, these are people that we train as leaders, disciple-making disciples. And then we release them to minister full-time in the marketplace, but they're still connected to the church. But their ministry is the marketplace. And so you won't, you won't see people like that greeting or ushering because they come to be a part of the family because they are full-time ministers in the marketplace. And then you've got those on the, on the bottom right that are sent out. These are full-time ministers in churches, in missions, and church plantings where we re really just send them out. Listen, when you send somebody out, they don't stop being part of your family. Your family just gets bigger. And that's what we want for Crosspoint. I want the family to just get bigger. I want to see you fulfill your destiny. And I want to hear the stories of the good works that you're doing and the miracles and the salvations that you're seeing in the marketplace because that's the call of God on your life. Easter Sunday, Brian Orm talked about this patchwork quilt that he said that he saw. It had all these different patches on it. He said he looked at it and it didn't make any sense until he looked at the top of the quilt and it had this banner that said marketplace. And when he looked at it under the banner of marketplace, it all began to make sense. It all began to become a cohesive picture of unity and ministry. That's what's over this church family. And I don't know how well I'm doing communicating what's in my heart today. Bill Johnson says this. He says, I cannot get behind your vision until you get behind mine. Being a part of Crosspoint is not going to be like being a part of every other church or any other church. Because we're not called to be like other churches. We don't do things because other churches do them. And we've been questioned on that many, many times. Many times over the last year. People thought that we should be doing something because, well, other churches are doing it. And I'd be like, that's great. That's what those other churches are called to. We don't answer to the other churches. We answer to the Father. And so we're going to do, do the things that God asks us to do regardless of what other people think, regardless of what other churches think or what they are doing. Because we will not compare ourselves or measure ourselves against them, against churches and against people. But we will measure ourselves by how well we obey what God asks of us. So if you can catch this vision, then you can watch your vision come to life. So where can we go from here? And how can I help? Today, what you have to ask yourself is this. Am I your pastor? Am I your pastor? Is what I've shared today in alignment with what Jesus has for Crosspoint? Not what you have for Crosspoint, but what Jesus has for Crosspoint. Do you see Renee and I as the father and mother of this church family? And do you see yourself as a son and a daughter of this house? 
What is Jesus saying to you in this moment? Because you, not me, you have a very important decision to make today. And it is not one that gets to be made on popularity, on how much you like me and my family. Do not make a decision based on popularity. This decision is also not made on familiarity because you know me or how well you know me. This decision isn't made by default. Well, because I'm here, so we might as well vote on that guy. He might as well lead us because he's already here. Don't make a decision like that. When Jim got up last week, he made the announcement about this meeting. He asked you guys to pray and to get God's heart on what he has for this church family. I share it's probably been a few months now, but this is the prayer. Or maybe it was in a cross point daily. If you don't watch those, you really should. They're pretty good. Especially when Lacey does them. Josiah and you guys do worship. But this is the prayer of my life that got me to standing right here, right now. I'm a kid from Canada who grew up in the backwoods of the Rocky Mountains. And I'm living my dream. Standing here in front of you in Southern California. And I got here because this is what I prayed. God, all I want is what you have for me. I don't want anything less and I don't want anything more because I know you're good and I trust you and I just want all that you have for me. And that's my prayer for you and that's my prayer for this church family, that you do not miss out on anything that God has for you. You have a prophetic destiny and a calling to fulfill and you owe it to Jesus to step into that and you owe it to this city to be that, what God has called you to be. And you owe it to the region to influence for the kingdom and the presence of God. And you owe it to the nations to invest in them. So you don't make your decision based on emotions. And I know that's hard, but what is, it, what is your spirit saying here? What is the spirit of God saying to your spirit inside? That's what you base your decisions on. Not how happy you are or sad you are or angry you are. It doesn't matter what your emotions are. What is Jesus saying? That's what mature followers of Jesus Christ do. They set it all aside and say, God, what do you have? What do you want? And that's your job today. That's it. That's the only job you have. I'm going to pray. Jesus, speak. Amen.